Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Man, I'm telling you, just feel it in my bones. 2020, it's going to be an awesome year. I feel like God really is going to begin to call back things that maybe we've felt like we've lost over time. Hope being restored back into hopeless situations. People walking into new victories. God taking you a little bit deeper than what you thought you were capable of. 2020. And so it's a privilege as always to be able to minister the Word of God to you this morning. Can you believe that we're officially in December 2019? Christmas is literally pretty much about three weeks away. Then in four weeks, we're going to step out of this century into a whole new century, which I think is a little bit crazy. So I have the privilege of kicking off the final series for the year, 2019. And truly the Christmas story, it's all about hope. Amen. It's all about hope. So I want to get straight in it. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to come with me to Isaiah chapter 11. And I want to make the statement that this is possibly the coolest Christmas scripture that you've never heard. Uh, Maybe some of you have never read this verse of scripture, but I want to share it with you this morning in the Christmas context. And don't worry if you don't see what it has to do with Christmas just yet. Just bear with me and you will in a minute. Isaiah chapter 11, 1, here we go. It says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. Again, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. And from his roots, a branch will bear fruit. And it's a very promising prophecy that Isaiah delivers to a people that have been cut down and pretty much reduced to almost nothing. And there's a familiar Christian saying, you'd probably hear a lot in church life, or I used to anyway, and that was this, that when you're down to nothing, God is up to something. I mean, elbow the person next to you and say, God is up to something in your life. God is up to something in your life. You may not be able to see it. You may not be able to lay hold of it. You may not be able to discern it with your natural senses. But I want to tell you this morning that God is up to something in your life this Christmas. Amen. He was certainly up to something in the life of Israel. I hear you had a generation that were replacing God with idols, and they had chosen to walk away from that covenant relationship with their Creator. And it almost seems like God is on the very cusp of destroying these people because of their disobedience and hardness of heart. But in spite of that, the promise of redemption, church, still echoes 700 years before Christ enters this world through the prophet Isaiah. He says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. Let me back up and read it one more time because I think I can see Jesus in this. It says, from his roots a branch will bear fruit. Could it be that the branch Isaiah is speaking of is that baby boy born in a manger seven centuries later in Bethlehem? Could it be that this prophet is actually seeing seven centuries into our present hope? Amen. Peter calls it a living hope. The author of Hebrews calls it an anchor for our soul. And so we celebrate the season understanding that hope has come. Somebody say, I have hope. Say it again, I have hope. You've got to say it loud enough to let the devil hear you because maybe he's been messing with you in 2019, right? You've had a pretty rough year, but by the grace of God, you're still standing. I have hope. Come on, one more time. I have hope. I have hope. Amen. Come on. And I think, you know, it's a certain kind of hope. It's not a floating hope. I hate to admit this, but I remember 
couple of years ago, and probably some of you did too, watching a movie called Float Hope. Hope Floats. Hope Floats. Now, it's, it starred like Sandra Bullock and um, Harry Connick Jr., and I can't remember the full plot line, but I do remember thinking how inaccurate the title of that movie is, right? Because the real hope that I know is an anchor, right? It doesn't float on the surface of your situations in life, but it goes down deep into your life, and it holds on tight with everything it has when maybe you're going through hell. Amen. And so when Paul gets involved, Paul's a New Testament apostle who's responsible for taking the gospel to the Gentiles. He says something instructive in in Romans 8. He wants to talk about the nature of this hope. And when he gets a chance, he says this in Romans 8, 24. He says, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have, right? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, if we can hold on, if we can hold out, if we can hope for what we do not yet have, we wait patiently for it, and patience in your life is the proof of hope. So the title of my message this morning is Hope That Runs Deep, because what Isaiah's stump that's been cut down to nothing, and Paul's theology about the Spirit of God living on the inside of you, what they have in common and what they're trying to talk to you about is a certain kind of hope, amen? It's not the kind of hope that you might have as a Cowboys fan or a Broncos fan, right? I want you to listen to me this morning. I really hope in 2020, right, that the Queenland Maroons win the state of origin, right? As do all Christians, as do all Christians, right? (laughs) But thrown around like that, that word hope means very little because the matter of the fact is it doesn't really bother me whether or not they win or lose, right? I'm not going to lie awake at night thinking about a bunch of men running around in spandex. It doesn't keep me up at night, right? I'm not that desperate enough to say, I really hope the Maroons win 2020 State of Origin. What I should say is it would be nice, right? It would be nice. I've been a Queenslander for 11 years, so it would be nice if they won, but the reality is really for me, I don't really care, right? I don't really, really care. Now, I didn't come here to talk to you this morning and take up your time when you could be doing all sorts of stuff in your life today around that kind of hope. But what I'm talking about is a certain kind of hope, a hope that sometimes has to be learned the hard way. Who's ever had to learn something the hard way? Wives, for all your husbands that aren't putting up their hands, maybe you want to help them this morning, right? Sometimes we have to learn things the hard way, right? Some things you have to learn the hard way. Some things can only be developed and matured and established and grounded in your life the hard way. And I was talking to someone the other day who was asking me about, you know, just going to the topic of preparation and how do you prepare for preaching or talking in, behind a, a lectern or even in corporate life, what does that look like for you? And I said, you know what, I do, I do a lot of preparation and sometimes I'm guilty of over-preparing. But the reason I over-prepare is that I remember a couple of years ago driving down to Brisbane to facilitate a workshop that our company was hosting and I had to speak at the workshop and I found myself getting into the city of Brisbane and I got lost. And because I was lost, I was getting angry. And by the time I got to the venue and got up onto the stage with my notes and microphone, I was pretty flustered. And to make matters worse, when I got up on stage ready to go and there's all these hundreds of people, there's our executive team waiting for these words of wisdom and gold to come out of my mouth, I realized and it clicked as I was standing up on stage that the topic I was there to facilitate and speak on was not the topic that I had prepared for, right? Somewhere in a couple of weeks before, the wires had gotten crossed and I hadn't done my due diligence, right? 
So there I am standing there thinking I have literally nothing to talk to these people about. I had never felt more unprepared in my life. Standing there, by the grace of God, I fumbled through the workshop and I got to the end of it. But I remember feeling how much I hated that experience that I made a promise to myself there and then that I would never again allow myself to be unprepared standing in front of people, right? I resolved myself that it would never happen. But here's the deal. It took the experience of embarrassment, right? I, I mean, I can tell you now in that moment, my mouth was dry. My face was going red. I'm trying to pull something out of nothing. But I remember standing there promising myself, Justin, you will never be in this situation again. Now, it doesn't mean that all my sermons or all my speaking will be amazing and life-changing. It doesn't mean that they're all going to be hilarious or, or whatever. But what it does mean is that when I have to give up and say something, I will always give you my best, right? Now, for those of you that know Angie and I, you know that we've been very blessed with three kids. And the oldest is Noah sitting in the front row here. And he may not remember this, but a couple of weeks ago, he gave me a really good tagline. It was school drop-off time. He's in the car. And I asked him, Noah, who's been your favorite teacher so far? He kind of looked at me and he said, well, it depends what you mean by favorite. What do you mean? He said, do you mean the teacher that I've had the most fun with or the teacher that I've learned the most with? Because the answer is very different depending on what you mean by favorite. And I thought to myself, how does a nine-year-old understand that about school when sometimes we don't understand that about our own Christian life and spirituality? See, because the seasons that we have the most fun in are not necessarily the seasons that we learn the most from. And the seasons that we grow and develop and mature spiritually are not necessarily the seasons that we would choose to go through. Amen? There are some seasons in your life that will cut you down and take off your branches. They're called pruning seasons. But I want to tell you that even in the pruning, there is a promise that you can find. As I said, I see a stump cut down to nothing, but I see a shoot coming forth from that stump and so God is up to something in your life this Christmas. And we celebrate the season understanding that this hope has come into the world. But we've got to remember not only has the hope come or who it's come from, but we've really got to understand how it's come into the world. Because, I mean, it had to be hard. Sometimes we kind of skip over this in the nativity story in modern day context and, and society today. But if you just think about this and come, come there for a minute with me, it had to be hard for Joseph, who was not married to Mary, at the time the Bible says they were betrothed, so ideally she's a virgin in their Jewish culture, he was going to marry her, no, no one's been sleeping around, right, this special moment, but it had to be hard for Joseph to look at his wife to be pregnant, right, and take God's word at it, that it's okay, think about that. It had, to be, it had to be hard for Mary to stare into the face of her family or the people in that culture and time and convince them that what she's carrying on the inside of her was from the Holy Spirit, right? I mean, that had to be hard. If Indy came home at 16 and said, guess what, Dad? I'm pregnant, but don't worry. It's the Holy Spirit. I would still get the shotgun out and say, that's lovely, darling. I'm going hunting. Who cares, right? It, it had to be hard, right? Had to be hard. And if you think about the phys physically, the way that God chose to come into this world tells you a little bit about the nature of the way He works. And I think we should look at it because sometimes we sanitize the Christmas story and we, s we strip it of the significant point. To miss the struggle of the Christmas story is to miss the window into how God chooses to work in your life. And it's this, 
When God decided he wanted to come into the world, not only did he choose a virgin, not only did he choose a womb that represented impossibilities to bring forth infinite potential, not only did he pick the hardest possible situation, but when the time came for him to send Jesus into the world, mate, he didn't even have a hotel ready, right? He didn't book anything. There's Mary, Mary and Joseph tired, she's pregnant, she's going into labor, it's cold, they get to, to, to where they're going in Bethlehem, there's nothing for them. Surely God, the creator of the universe, is coming into the world, the very least he could do is flick on Airbnb and book something so that they've got somewhere, they had nothing. But we miss this very important point when we look at the nativity story. When God says he's going to do something in your life, naturally we just think, well, it's going to be easy. But I'm telling you, often it's not. It's hard. It has to be hard. A quick look at the history of the Bible shows you God likes to do things the hard way. God likes to do things the hard way. It's His preferred method of carrying out His purpose often in your life. And so I don't want you to think something's wrong with you if you've had a hard year or a hard season. You're not weird. You're not necessarily doing something wrong. Amen. God will often allow life to cut you back and pull you apart because when he gets you to the place where he's taken everything that hinders you from your life and you find yourself getting nothing more, often in those seasons in your life, you're more inclined to lift an ear to the voice of God and hear what he's saying because you've got nothing else to go to, right? It's often in those places where he strips you back that he begins to call forth a shoot from the stump, where he begins to speak new hope and promise into your life. I mean, God did it to Moses, right? Moses was called to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt. And so God comes to Moses. He says, Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world at that time, and I want you to tell him to let my people go. And when you tell him to let my people go, he's going to say no. Now, why would God ask me to do something and in the very next breath say, and by the way, it's not going to work? Because it had to be hard, right? Just think about this. If it was easy... Moses walks into Egypt, walks into Pharaoh's court, says, hey, Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh goes, sure, no worries, here they are. Good luck. I mean, Moses would have stood there, swelled up a little bit with a bit of pride, maybe flicked Pharaoh a smirk, turned around, puffed up. Look how convincing I am. Look what I've just managed to achieve, right? But God says, no, no, sometimes it has to be hard. And this is God's words, not mine. He says in that portion of Scripture that I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that I can gain the glory. You see, because if it's not hard, you start to think it's you, right? If it's not hard, you start to trust in yourself. But yourself is not an adequate support system for the glory of God to rest in your life. You can't do it, right? And so it had to be hard. By the time the Israelites come out of Jesus, uh, come out of Jesus, Jesus, listen, come out of Egypt, they get up into the desert, into the Red Sea, right? And they're on the edge of the Red Sea, and God says, we're not going to go around the Red Sea, we're going to do something else. It's going to be a bit harder, right? And this is what God does, because He's a bit crazy. He says, no, 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 I'm not going to lead you around the, the Red Sea, because that would just be the natural way. That would be the human way. No, we're going to do it a little bit harder. What we're going to do is we're going to go through it. So I want you to stretch out your staff, and the waters are going to part, and you're going to go through and when you're just about to get through on the other side, I want you to look back because that generation that's been oppressing you are going to be no more. So I'm going to drown out what's chasing you down, but we're going to do it the hard way. The point I'm trying to make is that sometimes God will take you through the hard way because God has a promise of deliverance waiting for you in the hard times. 
God prepares victory for you in the hard times. It's in the hard times where you've got to press forward, where God lays hope before you that you can find. In the hard times, right? God likes to do it the hard way. I don't have to tell you about David and his slingshot, right? God could have used a valiant soldier and a bronze spear to take down Goliath. But how would the children of Israel really known it was God unless he brought that victory through a tiny little stone? God likes to do things the hard way, Gideon. I know you've got 32,000 men, but I'm not going to let you fight with 32,000 men. I'm going to let, we're going to bring it down to 300 so that when you eventually defeat the army of the Amalekites, there is no other explanation in your life but that it was God. And to God be the glory. Amen. Maybe that's why in the season of your life things have been hard. You see, it's often in these seasons where God will strengthen and wants to prove your root system, right? Your root system. So I want you to think about this for a minute. If your root system is strong, if your root system is stable, if your root system goes down deep, if your root system is drawing on nourishment and nutrients deep down beneath the surface of life, then it doesn't matter what happens on the top of life, right? It doesn't happen if you're cut down to a stump. It doesn't matter when you go through those seasons where potentially God's pruning you back because He's proving your root system. If your root system is strong, then I want to tell you there's always hope for God to call back breakthrough. There's always hope for God to call back that shoot from the stump of Jesse. There's always hope for God to call back a miracle because even though life is knocking you around on the surface, your root system is strong. And sometimes God will take you through the hard place because He says, I don't just want you to be a good Christian on the surface of life. I want you to be stable. I want you to be strong. I want your root system to go deeper. So that when life comes to knock you, you're not going to be shaken. You're not going to walk away. You're not going to move. And even though you're cut down to a stump and you feel you've got nothing left and everyone's walked out and you, no one cares, no one believes. God says, your root system's good. I can still call forth promise. I can still call forth hope. That's where you find hope. But sometimes, church, it's got to be the hard way, right? It's got to be the hard way. You know, and maybe I'm just... Um, a bit of a simple man, but I was thinking about this little bouncy ball the other day. And the fact that this uh, bouncy ball has such the inc an incredible ability to bounce back, right? It just does it. I mean, that's what it's meant for. That's its purpose, right? That uh, it's named aptly for what it is, bouncy ball. It serves the function for which it was created, right? But I want you to come with me for a minute because if I take that bouncy ball, right? and I move it over here to a different surface that's a bit softer, it's a bit nicer, it's a bit more welcoming, maybe makes a little bit more sense, and I do the same thing, all of a sudden, the bouncy ball loses its ability to do what it was created to do, right? To dine to do. But if I take the ball over here, in order for this bouncy ball to do and serve the purpose for which it was created, the surface, right, has to be, has to be, it has to be hard. It has to be hard. It has to be hard. And it got me thinking, maybe in this season of your life, things are hard, not because God wants to punish you, but because God's preparing you. God's preparing you. Maybe in this season of your life, things are tough, not because God's just trying to get you a hard time, 
but he's preparing you for a comeback. He's preparing you for a comeback. You see, you and I have this amazing ability as believers in Jesus Christ to bounce back in life, to bounce back in life. In fact, I want to tell you this, the harder the surface, the higher the bounce, right? The harder the surface, the higher the bounce. The stronger the struggle, the bigger the comeback. Amen? It had to be hard. It had to be hard. You see, God may have cut you down for a little while, but I want to tell you this, that He is a God who redeems, and He is a God who calls forth hope, and He's a God who calls forth that shoot in the stump where you look at it with your natural eyes and go, how can any life come back from this? How can any restoration come back from this? How can I ever be the same? I once had something, now I've got nothing. God, what are you doing? But I want to tell you right now, in the words of the prophet Isaiah, God can look at that stump and call back a shoot like that. It may just be a glimmer of hope. It may just be a small little inkling that something's not quite dead. But I'm telling you now, 2020 church, those situations in your life where you feel like God's taken everything, He's going to call back life. And he's going to call back hope. And you are going to bounce back. You're going to come back because that's what you've been designed to do. You've been designed. The harder you hit the floor, the bigger you're going to bounce back. And maybe that's why they had to lay him in the tomb, right? Maybe that's why they laid Jesus in a tomb rock bottom because God had to say to the world, no matter how far down you put me, you can't stop me from bouncing back. Amen. Doesn't matter what forces come against you in your life. If you hang on to God and you allow your root system to go down, it doesn't matter what the enemy will bring at you. Inside of you, you have a spirit that has the ability to bounce back. To bounce back. Amen. But it had to be hard. Mary had to wonder. The Bible says that she had to ponder these things in her heart. What was going on on the inside of her wasn't evident to everyone outside, right? She had to ponder it on the inside because it was hard, but not only hard, but it had to be hidden. When God really likes something, I want to put it out there that He hides it. And sometimes Angie and I will be given different kind of Christmas treats this time of year at work through suppliers and, you know, thank you Jesus for them because they're amazing. And, you know, when we like them okay, we'll bring them home and we'll, you know, put them on the table and let the kiddies have a bit of a bite. But when they're really good... When they're really good. There are places in my home, come on, there are places in my home that Indy can't find them, the devil can't find them, right? I've got compartments for carbohydrates, Ange doesn't even know about them, right? And it's not that I'm stashing anything illegal, I promise you that, but it's just, who knows, some things are just too good to leave out. Come on, we know that, especially when you've got kids, amen? And don't you find that a little bit intriguing about the Bible? And I love the Bible because here's Isaiah prophesying 700 years out from the birth of Christ. Now we have what Isaiah was speaking of. We have it. It's come. And I wonder, do we take it for granted because we have it sometimes? Do we take it for granted because it's no longer hidden from us, right? Paul says it's harder to hope the more you have because when you have it, you lose your ability to hope. It's harder to hope when you have what you've hoped for, right? Because you start hoping in things that you've got. It's harder to hope for what you don't yet have once you have it. Hope for reconciliation when it's not going well. Hope for provision when you're down to your last. But God is up to something, church. Isaiah says, I can see it in the roots. But the roots is the part of the tree that you can't see. But that's, I want to tell you, where the action's going on. That's where the action is going on in your life. 
You see, and some of us need to learn in our Christian walk how to take hope and hide it on the inside of us. Keep it deep down within inside of us. Lay hold of God with everything we have because the world, I can guarantee you, will always try and steal it. Amen. The world will always try and steal it. And I feel like sometimes we are guilty of just giving our hope away. We give our hope away to the next person that promises the answer. We give our hope away to the next situation that we think is going to fix the problems in our life. But what we find is that often we leave those experiences really disappointed, right? Really disappointed. This is not the kind of hope that floats. This is not the kind of hope that floats. You know what? Some of the greatest work God's ever done in my life has been in those seasons where I haven't necessarily felt Him. Some of the greatest moments where God's built my faith is where I haven't necessarily felt Him or seen Him in my life. But I've had to choose to hold on to Him with everything I have. And in that process, God has built my faith and He's developed my hope. Because I'm allowing my root system to go down deep. Go down deep. Even on the surface of my life, when it feels like everything's been taken away, I'm allowing my root system to keep going deep. And I hold on to that hope because the thing is when I keep that hope hidden, the world, the enemy, no one can steal it from me. No situation can steal it from me. When I hold on to it, it's me and God and my root system's going down. It doesn't matter what's coming in my life. I go back to that hope. I go back to that promise. I go back to drawing on what the world can't see, what the enemy can't access, what my problems can't tell me is right or wrong. It's God. It's the Word of God. It's time with Him in prayer. It's worship. When I go back to that place, it doesn't matter how hard the enemy tries, he's not going to find it because my hope is not conditional on the circumstances in my life. It's conditional on the root system. God wants to prove your root system, church, when it comes to hope. Amen. As I said, some of the best seasons in my life for spiritual development have been those seasons where I haven't felt Him. But here's the truth I want you to get hold of this morning. My hope doesn't have to know how because I know who. My hope doesn't have to know how because I know who. My hope doesn't even have to know what because I know who. My hope doesn't even have to know when because I know who. I don't have to figure it all out when I know Him. Amen. I can simply hang on to Him with everything that I have. I can simply keep allowing my root system to draw on that nourishment, to draw on His Word, to draw on His promises. Amen. I know the one who gives lasting hope. It's an anchor for my soul. It's an anchor. And what does an anchor do? It goes all the way down to the bottom. And it stabilizes my life so that when seasons want to push me away, I'm not going to move. It's that hope that goes deep down on the inside of me. And I feel like for some of you, you've gone through hard seasons in your life and you feel like the natural response is, well, God's just gone. I want to tell you, God is not gone. I want to tell you this morning that God is preparing you for growth. God is preparing you for a new season. God is preparing you for a hope that's going to go deeper. You know, I used to think this. I used to think that disappointment was the enemy of hope. But I don't no longer think that. What I think is that disappointment is a doorway to deeper hope in your life. Because you have two choices in life when it gets hard. As I spoke about a couple of weeks ago, you can run from it 
Or you can choose to go to that place where God will establish a deeper hope, where you press in, where you say, I'm not going to uproot myself, I'm going to let the roots go down. Sometimes it's countercultural. Sometimes it doesn't make sense to the world. But I want to tell you, when those seasons come, if you can learn by faith to make a decision, say, you know what, life's hard, but I'm not uprooting myself. I'm not moving away from this. I'm going to stay where I am, and I'm going to simply let my root system go down. I'm going to simply continue to draw from that life well and that living water that's not affected by circumstance. I'll tell you, God will establish you. This is your day. You know, in Christmas, we hear this, that today is born to you in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. He is the branch. This is the hope, and now is the time. You know, this morning, I just had such a sense on my heart that for a lot of people, journeying 2019 has been a journey where you struggle to hold on to hope. And you've started out well, and you've had hope, and you've had promise, and you've had vision, but sometimes we get to the end of years, traditionally we find that we lose our way, and we lose that, and we lose that hope, and sometimes some of you can feel very much like that, that we're now just the stump, where I started out as a tree, and I had this fruit, and the branches were good, and I was looking green, we get to the end of the year, and the branches are gone, and there's no fruit, and I feel cut down, I want to tell you it's in those moments God's Word engages you, and He says, you know what, there's hope coming, I'm going to call forth a shoot. There's new growth coming. It's not the same as what you've had before. It's new. It's a new season. It's a new day. I will do a new thing in your life. But sometimes I've got to get rid of the dead wood. I've got to get rid of the old fruit that you're hanging on to because it's stinking now. It's not the same. It's not serving the same purpose. I want to get rid of it. I want to remove those branches that are weighing you down. It might be a painful process, but I have a new work for you. I have a new plan for you. 2020, I'm going to call something new from your life that couldn't come forth unless we went through that process of pruning. Amen. But I want to encourage you with all my heart this morning. There is a hope like an anchor for your soul if you will allow your root system to be proved by God and to keep them pushing down, you will not be shaken. You may be bent and battered and pushed, but you'll not be moved when you hang on to that hope. You know, it's a hope that Mary knew. She knew when Christ came out from her, she knew the struggle, but she knew a God that was a God of the impossible. Sometimes you will go through hard things because like Mary, God wants you to know that He's a God of the impossible. He's not just a great God that turns up with you on Sunday, but He's literally the God of the impossible in your life. But in order to stay the journey with Him, you've got to hang on to hope. Sometimes that's all we have. You know, people, psychologists will say that until you lose hope, things are going to be okay. The minute you lose hope, it's over. The minute you lose hope, it's over. The minute you lose, so many people will end up in prison and and you hear stories of people, different cultural backgrounds will end up getting isolated in prison and they end up dying, not because of the conditions, but because they simply lose hope. They don't want to live anymore. Church, I want to tell you, we're not that kind of church. We're a church that understands we have a living hope. That's an anchor to our soul that keeps us moving forward. Amen. I might get us to stand this morning in the band to come if they can. Isaiah says that out of the stump of Jesse, I will call forth a shoot, a branch that will bear fruit. The branch that Isaiah is talking about in the scripture is Christ. You know, it's impossible for us to 
experience that fruit of fulfillment in our life without the branch. The branch is Jesus, right? And I want to tell you this morning that there is hope in this place. It's a living hope. It's a reliable hope. It will never leave you nor forsake you. It's in front of you, but you've got to reach out and lay hold of that hope. The hope's not yours until you reach out and you take it this morning. And so I just want to sit down in a place. I'm going to ask the worship team once they're up just to lead us in worship this morning. And I simply want us just to engage God for a moment. And I believe that God just wants to spend a moment of speaking in your life fresh hope. Fresh hope. I don't know all your stories, but maybe some of you have had a pretty rough 2019. But there's hope, church. And I feel like God wants to restore it this morning to you. Not for what you've been through, but what He's about to do for you. What He's about to take you through. Maybe some of you feel very much like that stump of Jesse, right? That's all you've got left. Just the stump. And when you look at it and you stand back, you go, God, this isn't much. I don't know what I'm looking at, but I want to tell you now, God's going to call something forth from that stump. He's going to call forth a promise. He's going to call forth hope. He's going to call forth a dream. He's going to call forth life. You're going to find yourself eyes open again, stepping into a new century with God, church. So just while we worship this morning, why don't you just close your eyes. Just lift your hands just for a moment. Father, I thank you that you are the hope giver, the life giver. God, and I thank you that even though we go through trials, even though sometimes you take us your way, not our way. God, I thank you that in the very midst of that, there's hope. God, I thank you right now for every life before me this morning in this place. God, that even now you are preparing him for a comeback, for a bounce back. I want to tell you now, and I want to speak faith into your spirit this morning. I feel God's just placing on my heart, even now, son and daughter, all is not lost. I have not left you. I will never forsake you, but I'm about to bring hope back into your life. See what I can do. I'm the God of Joseph and Mary, and if I can bring forth my son in a womb of impossibilities, I can do far beyond in your life. That right now, if you would reach out to me, if you would step out by faith, if you would hold on to me with everything you have, even though it doesn't make sense, I'm going to begin to call forth new life. New life in your marriage. New life in your children. New life in your provision. New life in your health. New life in your future. I'm about to do it. I know it feels like you've been cut down and pushed down and bent down and broken and you're discouraged and you're in despair, but I want to tell you there's still hope. There's still hope. You serve a God of hope, a hope that is an anchor to your soul. So, Father, right now I pray that you would breathe afresh over each and every person in this place. Hope. Remind them that you are the living God, the great I am. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.org. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.